0: This episode of Recommended is sponsored in part by Furyborn by Claire Legrand. Stunningly original, this must-read fantasy of 2018 follows two fiercely independent young women, centuries apart, who hold the power to save their world, or to doom it. When assassins ambush her best friend, Riel Dardan risks everything to save him, exposing herself as one of a pair of prophesied queens, a queen of light and a queen of blood. 1,000 years later, Eliana Farakora, a bounty hunter for the Undying Empire, joins a rebel captain and discovers that the evil at the Empire's heart is more terrible than she ever imagined. As Riel and Eliana's stories intersect, Shocking connections between them ultimately determine the fate of their world and of each other. Furyborn is the first book in the Imperium trilogy. New York Times best-selling author Melissa Albert calls Furyborn an epic feminist fantasy, and number 1 New York Times best-selling author Kendar Blake says it is truly not to be missed. Furyborn has been included on several most anticipated lists from sites such as Bustle, Book Riot, Epic Reads, BookBub Blog, and BuzzFeed. Edgar Award nominated author Claire Legrand is embarking on an ambitious tour for Furyborn and may soon be at a bookstore near you. Go to claire-legrand.com and click on the news tab for a complete tour listing.
1: This is Recommended where we talk to interesting people about their favorite books. This week we're joined by Sanja Menon who picked The Undomestic Goddess by Sophie Kinsella and Alexander Chi who picked Plain Water by Ann Carson. Sandhya Menon is the New York Times best-selling author of the smash hit When Dimple Met Rishi. She was born and raised in India on a steady diet of Bollywood movies and street food and blames this upbringing for her obsession with happily ever afters and bad dance moves. Her newest YA novel, from Twinkle with Love, follows aspiring filmmaker and wallflower, Twinkle Mehra, as she finds her voice and falls in love. Told through the letters Twinkle writes to her favorite female filmmakers, it navigates big truths about friendship, family, and the unexpected places love can find you. My name is Sandhya
2: Menon, and The Undomestic Goddess by Sophie Kinsella is my recommended. I was a Sophie Kinsella fan since I read um, Confessions of a Shopaholic. Pretty much since I read that, I was like, you know, I'm going to read anything that this author puts out. So as soon as The Undomestic Goddess released, it came out in 2005, so it's been out a while. I ran out and got it, and nobody had to recommend it to me because I was already, you know, deeply entrenched in the Sophie Kinsella fan club by then. (laughs) When I was in high school, I was a huge fan of rom-com movies, like from the 90s. So, I loved Meg Ryan and Julia Roberts. And so, I actually didn't know that I could read rom coms in book form, probably because I didn't immigrate to the US until I was 15. At that point, when uh, Confessions of a Shopaholic was my first intro into quote unquote chiclet, and I was completely hooked. I was like, oh my gosh, I can like read a Meg Ryan movie. You know, how great is that? So that's how I kind of stumbled into the whole women's fic um, slash lit genre. I think Undomestic Goddess just has a special spark. I love the mistaken identity trope in romance. I think it's amazing. And she does it in her trademark hilarious way, while also just deeply speaking to this feeling that's in society of being overworked and not knowing how to get off the escalator kind of thing. So it follows this very high-powered and very young lawyer who's about to make partner, and then she discovers that she's made a huge mistake that costs her for millions of dollars. And so she walks off in this fog and goes to this little, you know, rural village where she's mistaken for somebody's housekeeper. And ends up taking on um, the position as a housekeeper just because she can't face going back to her high-powered job where she was fulfilled in some ways, but in a lot of ways that left her completely empty and desolate. And I love how she just took this concept and ran with it. And it's funny and heartwarming and sweet and romantic all at once. And it just completely captured me as a reader. My favorite scene from *The Undomestic Goddess* is when the main character is um, she's a lawyer, so she came from this very high-powered firm in London, and she was used to a kind of compartmentalizing her day into six-minute segments. So everything had to be billed for and accounted for and entered into her computer in six-minute segments. And so when she moves to the village and becomes a housekeeper, she realizes she has a lot more time at her disposal. She has weekends off, which she's never had since she was about eight years old. And so she doesn't know what to do with that. She decides to still segment her day because that's what she's comfortable with. But she decides she's gonna segment it kind of into a larger chunk. So she's gonna take a bath for an hour. And she's in the bath, you know, and she's thinking, oh, this is so relaxing, I love it. And surely, you know, I'm done now with my hour. And she gets out and she realizes it's been, you know, 10 minutes or something like that. And and so she has this complete inability to relax and she is very twitchy. And I love that because it's so true we can get so caught up with work and what we think is important and deadlines and rushing to meet deadlines that we forget what it's like to just sit and be still with ourselves. And again, Kinsella tackles that kind of deep and serious concept with complete hilarity and warmth. And I love that scene. Like I said, it came out in 2005. That's when I originally got my copy. And since then, I think I've bought it three or four times. I have a pretty brand new copy now because my last one finally fell apart again. (laughs) Um, And so, yes, I reread it several times every year. I think the saddest moment of my life was in 2016 when, We moved to Colorado from South Carolina and all of my Sophie Kinsella books got ruined in the move because they got watered and they got rained on. And I was so upset. I think I was more upset about that than any of the furniture or other valuables I lost. (laughs) Sophie Kinsella is one of those writers who I admired well before I wrote my first novel. And so I always knew that if I ever tackled rom-coms myself i would want to model myself after her not in a way that's you know copycatting her writing style but just the way that she can speak to pretty serious issues while also completely keeping you laughing and making you fall in love with all of her characters the good ones and the antagonists and so i knew i wanted to model my writing style after her in those ways I think I began probably when I was in college and I decided that I wanted to give it a try. It was, I have to be honest, it was a complete fanfic kind of attempt. Um, And I I think it was after I read maybe Confessions of a Shopaholic. So her kind of her first book. And I was like, this is so hilarious. And I feel like I just want to, I want more of it and I don't know how to get more of it. So I'm going to write something of my own that's, No, very similar and I'm pretty sure I ripped off jokes like exactly from her from our first book um but once I wrote that book and I I finished it which I was very proud of um and it was a complete mess it had so many different plots and um it was crazy but I loved it I loved the process of writing I loved that I was laughing while I was writing and so at that point I knew that I wanted to write rom-coms, but I kind of veered off and started writing other things in the meantime. So it took me a while to come back to that. Um, it took me, I want to say about 12 or 13 years after that first attempt to actually come back and write when Dimple met Rishi. I never felt that pinch of, you know, like it was a guilty pleasure or I couldn't tell people that. I know when I was growing up, I was definitely discouraged from reading lighter, fluffier works. We never had any romance books in my house. But at the same time, we had plenty of, you know, action thriller type books by men, which looking back, that's the exact, you know, other flip side of romance. So I don't know why that was, I mean, I do know why that was okay. So when I grew up, I, you know, I immediately, when I used to go to the library, when I moved to the U.S., I would check out romance books And I never felt like it was something that I needed to hide. And eventually when I found Sophie Kinsella, I was completely blown away by, you know, how how much I loved it. And then to see how popular it was with other people, mostly women, it made me feel more like I was in this kind of club or secret society (laughs) than anything else. (laughs) I feel like now there's this kind of movement where people are more willing to say, this is the kind of thing I like. And this is why it's okay. And especially with diverse rom-coms, you know, whether it's ethnically diverse or with gay characters becoming very popular and gaining a lot of traction, I feel like there's this larger conversation going on, which I love, about how even marginalized characters deserve to have light, fluffy, happy stories that are not necessarily about anything deeper or darker or about the struggle of being a minority which I think is great. And I I do think that was lacking from the rom-com genre in general. So I'm really excited about those conversations. There's nothing wrong with hope, you know, and I think that we're finally starting to realize
1: that. (laughs) Thanks again to Sandhya Menon for joining us in recommending The Undomestic Goddess by Sophie Kinsella. Her novel, From Twinkle with Love, published by Simon Pulse, is now available wherever books are sold. You can visit her online at sandhya
0: This episode is also sponsored by Penguin Random House Audio. Need something new for your next book club meeting? Try listening. Penguin Random House Audio has the book for you. Need a beach read? Listen hands-free to titles like The High Season by Judy Blundell and Best Beach Ever by Wendy Wax. Visit TryAudiobooks.com backslash bookriot for a free audiobook download of Blood Kiss by J.R. Ward and start listening today.
1: Alexander Chi is the best-selling author of the novels The Queen of the Night and Edinburgh. He is a contributing editor at The New Republic, an editor-at-large at Virginia Quarterly Review, a critic-at-large at the Los Angeles Times, and an associate professor of English at Dartmouth College. His work has appeared in the Best American Essays 2016, The New York Times Magazine, Slate, Guernica, and Tin House, among others. His newest book, How to Write an Autobiographical Novel, is an essay collection exploring his education as a man, writer, and activist, and how we form our identities in life and in art.
3: My name is Alexander Chi, and Plain Water is my recommended. I found it first through an essay, Kinds of Water, which I became obsessed with, and which I read many times over, pretty much at least once a year for a decade, maybe longer. It's something that, like, it's something that I suppose forms the hardcore of the decade after my graduation from college in terms of like there are all these things I was reading and all these things that I loved but I just always kept going back to that essay and you know before before the internet made it so easy to look things up I would say I probably didn't find the book itself that it's from which is Plain Water, until the late 90s and then I got to re-experience my obsession all over again by reading the essay in context so that essay kinds of water was it first appeared if I I'm remembering this correctly, in Grand Street. And it was a, or it is rather, a stunningly beautiful meditation on the nature of pilgrimages undertaken while taking the Santiago de Compostela pilgrimage through Spain. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has all of these beautiful passages that begin with a, a short epigram and then a meditation on whichever part of the pilgrimage that they're on and the things that are happening inside of their relationship. And so it's thoughts about like faith and love and travel all intermixed and done in this style that's very lyrical and and just for me completely enchanting. So it was, I think it was, it's the single greatest obvious literary influence on me that I can think of. It was a huge influence in terms of the, I suppose, the formal daring. When you're trying to write your first novel, you can write it in a number of ways, I suppose. But one of the presiding moods for me was that I felt I needed to dare to be something that didn't exist before. All of my writing teachers had told me that in various ways, it's one thing to have it said to you by a teacher. It's another thing to try to go and do it out in the world. Um, as I talk about in my essay collection that's coming out, I realized that I had to become the thing that I was hoping existed. And I would say this essay helped me in some way retrospectively. you know, I don't think I read it thinking that, but retrospectively, it makes sense to me that that's, that's what that was. It was my first Ann Carson essay. It appeared in the 19 Best American Essays of 1988 that Annie Dillard edited. And my recollection at this distance is that she also taught it to us. But I may have invented that just through having reread it so many times and having found it through her Best American. So it's like fused in my memory in that sense. Shortly after that, I found Short Talks, which was a great, I guess we call them lyric essays now, but I suppose it was also a book of poems. And the next book I found from her, I think, was probably Autobiography of Red, which cemented my obsession with her. It's one of those books that when I teach it, my students writing just, it's like uh, some kind of grow fertilizer. It teaches simultaneously lyric compression, hybridity in an approach, if that makes any sense, you know, where there's something that's possible through the hybrid form of it that isn't possible if it was more committed to a single aesthetic form. And that's, I think, the beauty of it in part to me. I teach a few of my favorites, but mostly I like to keep my favorites to myself. I teach things that I love, for sure. I teach things that I'm interested in. I teach things that I think are interesting. The thing that I tell my students often is it doesn't matter whether or not you love it, you have to be able to talk about it. In terms of their ability to connect with the unfamiliar. Because so often, why we reject something is that it just isn't what we're used to seeing. I have had a few experiences in class where students are talking about a favorite essay, story, uh, book, just in terms that make me realize there's a reason why they're students, that they, you know, I have to teach them in a sense, like how to read it. Or they say something that is so utterly insulting about it that I have to take a breath and think about how to connect back to a conversation and how to tell them what I'm asking them to read. So that's why I mostly protect my favorite things from from teaching them because I just, I don't want to have to overcome whatever. There's that way in which, you know, when someone insults a favorite essay or a favorite piece of literature, you have a moment of feeling like they're your enemy in some way. And I just never wanted to I never wanted to put that on my students. It's just not fair. It's not really fair. So uh, so that's why I don't often teach violets. The whole book itself is really lovely. What's interesting to me about her work in this book in particular is that gold is quite a character within it, the word gold. And I remembered it having an insight into that when I was in Belgium. And I was looking down in front of this gay bar in Brussels. And I noticed what looked like a gold scallop shell on the ground, just set into the stone of the sidewalk. And it's part of the Santiago de Compostela pilgrimage that begins there and goes through the gay and Arab neighborhoods in Brussels and then goes all the way to Spain. And it was this kind of wonderful shock at seeing it. And then I imagined Carson, whether it's true or not, following the gold scallop through it. And that word and that image and that idea settling in her mind. It's not actual gold, but it looks like it. I guess you could call it Pilgrim's Gold. This was the first time I've actually probably openly recommended it in a long time. (laughs) I recommended it to uh, a young writer on Twitter, Monet Thomas, who is going through an Ann Carson phase, and it was wonderful to stumble upon her live tweeting about reading it afterwards, because she... (laughs) had such a intense reaction to it similar to my own it was kind of like watching my own reaction in some faraway mirror and that was a beautiful thing to see i recommend it sometimes to friends sometimes to very occasionally to students but mostly i do keep it close or have kept it close i suppose until now when i'm telling you and this entire audience (laughs) but you know when uh when I received the prompt for this podcast and I was thinking about what book that would be, that seemed like the only honest answer. I'll, I will probably just sit down and read it again now, actually.
1: <laughs> Thanks again to Alexander Chi for joining us and recommending Plain Water by Ann Carson. His essay collection, How to Write an Autobiographical Novel, published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, is available wherever books are sold. You can follow him on Twitter at Alexander G. Next week on Recommended, one author discusses a book that changed the way she saw the world.
2: I read it in college and I actually resisted it because it was such an unromantic look at the life of an activist. The
0: questions
3: of
2: self-care, the gender dynamics within activist groups, all of this. But when I was in college, I kind of wanted a more kind of romantic idea of activists where everyone, you know, wore a leather jacket and loved each other. I, I felt like this novel was pulling back a curtain that I wanted to keep closed.
1: Thanks to our sponsors for making today's episode possible. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback and it helps other folks to find the show. You can find show notes at bookriot.com recommended and you can email us at recommended at bookriot.com.